0: That's the fun part about doing these Zoom things, like, okay, three, two, one, is it recording?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Are they on? Are they on? Is it
2: on? You know, just like physical illness, mental illness can be overcome. We just got to inspire people to believe that. The mental health community and the firearms industry
3: has spent way too much time running parallel to each other without communicating. It's time we change the narrative and destroy the stigma that we both face.
2: Walk the Talk America presents Guns and Mental Health, a podcast for firearms owners, clinicians, and the curious public. Welcome back to the podcast, listening audience. It's good to be back podcasting because uh we we gone we gone we, we had gone a couple of weeks without doing anything like and if, after the crush of everything that we'd stacked up for a while it felt like I, I needed a break but also it's nice to to get back into it so with us today we have ed gardner and lara smith from liberal gun club hello both of you hello
1: hello thanks for having us
2: it's our pleasure.
3: You know, two of my, these are two of my favorite people from one of my favorite organizations. Sweet. Absolutely love you too. I'm glad I'm, it's long overdue. I'm glad we're having you on.
2: You're, you're,
0: you're, this isn't a video podcast, so you can't see me blushing. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no audio, audio only. Every once in a while, we, we purposely program video and it might go onto YouTube, but we won't do it this time. <laughs> um, so one of the big things that we do with our organization is when we're when we're talking about firearms and mental health, mental illness, responsible ownership, say you know responsible storage, all that stuff is that we we are purposely trying to make it apolitical because i think anybody who is familiar with gun culture is, you know, it, it's overwhelmingly conservative and then we end up like getting in these political dogfights which are nonsensical to a basic human right like the right to self-defense with whatever tool you choose to defend yourself. And that's a hard message to sell to certain people that you guys fit a really special role, I think, in, in the gun community. And I'd love for you to talk, first of all, about the organization and how you started it. And then we can just go from there.
0: All right. Do you want me to do, do the, do the thing or do you want to do it?
1: Uh, you're,
2: you're the, you're the founder yeah. guy. <laughs> you're yeah, probably should do like personal, personal, personal bios too, right? Yeah, Rochambeau for it. Um, yeah. but personal bios too, like, you know, who you are and how you got into this and all that stuff would be helpful.
0: Uh, so yeah, so, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Ed Gardner. Uh, I'm the executive director of the Liberal Gun Club. We are a 501c4 nonprofit intentionally because we wanted to reserve the right to do some political things. So to all that point about the, po- the politics, uh, well taken and well understood. Um, we've been around since about 2008. Uh, you may recall there was an election that year. Uh, and uh, there are a number of gun owners that were uh, uh, run out of town on their local uh, firearms uh, discussion boards because of their, uh, their you know, possible voting for a particular gentleman. Who uh, who then ended up being president for eight years? Uh, so there was a there was a there was a void. We didn't have a place to have a chat. Um, I'm actually not the founder. A gentleman who is a founder. His name was uh, Mark Roberts. Uh, he uh, has uh, since retired from the industry, as it were, to continue his actual day job of being like a university professor. So you know he had real things to do. Uh, but uh, I've been involved since almost the beginning. It, uh, it started out as a place where, uh, you know, we could get questions answered. So you, you want to know what to do with a particular gun or, or a particular, uh, you know, mechanism around reloading or whatever. Uh, your first stop is the Internet, and you Google it. Uh, and then you end up on uh, forums that shall not be named. Uh, sometimes they're regional, sometimes they're national. Uh, and you ask questions. And invariably, in those forums will have general discussion groups that uh, range into the politic. And invariably, in uh, the folks that ended up coming to us were tossed off on their ears because they had happened to maybe have admitted that they might have possibly voted for a certain black gentleman that was currently the occupant of the White House at the time. So it really started out as a, as a place where we could you know, congregate and, and, and get questions answered um around about 2010 we realized we had something uh and uh we needed to turn it into something more than just you know everybody chatting on the internet because chatting on the internet is great and it's a it's a valuable service because you need to like get answers to questions and this was a place where you could do it uh but we started to formalize things so uh around about 2010 we started formalizing things in a way that we uh established our education programs um and uh, got our, our Basic Firearms Safety course certified in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Uh, we ended up in a couple other states after that, but uh, uh, you may recall that I think it's, uh, what is it, 2011, 2012, when the various Supreme Court cases came down that, that changed everything. A lot, of, uh, a lot of that sort of had to get rejiggered. But in 2010, we were teaching classes. We had our very first annual meeting that year. Uh, it was really small. <laughs> I think there might have been 15 people. And we had it in the back of someone's house in a cornfield, um, which was awesome because he had a, a trap uh, 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 stand, a shotgun stand, so that we could throw clays and blast them over the cornfield. So we had a, a built-in range. Uh, but you know, from those small beginnings, in the last uh, in the last eleven years, I guess it's 2021, right? Uh, we've uh, we built it into a membership-based organization where. Uh, folks of a certain political bent generally left of center although we we have our fair fair share of libertarians who may be uh, otherwise more conservative as members where we can get together uh, talk to one another about guns talk about the things that are important from a second amendment perspective and uh, you know share information share, and uh, share guns and share ideology and, you know, go out and shoot stuff. Our Texas chapter uh, is one of our oldest chapters and for the last, I think, six or seven years, their motto has been shooting stuff is fun. Uh, so, you know, we, for a long time, was just, we're just focused on community. The last couple years, uh, I think Laura joined the board uh, four years ago, five years ago. Four years ago. Four years ago. Laura joined the board four years ago, it was, you know, it was time to get a little more serious. So not just member base, not just sort of defraying the costs of the web servers and making sure that we had places to do things and conducting annual meetings, but maybe straying into the actual politics of it. Um, We also were uh, challenged in the same way that I think a lot of the Second Amendment community is, it's a whole bunch of middle-aged white guys and that's not necessarily representative of the people that are, you know, in the club or doing the things. So, uh, bringing, uh, bringing Laura on board and expanding the board and turning it into a, a proper, uh, a properly sort of organized nonprofit rather than just, you know, one guy who was, uh, uh, you know, doing things to avoid paying taxes as it were <laughs> on, uh, on web servers and things but uh, try to spend the membership money in a way that was, uh, was relevant. So we started politicking.
1: And, and part of that happened. Um, so I, I joined the national board four years ago, right? Well, four and a half now, kind of right in the middle of the, the election, yeah. the 2016 election. Um, Pulse happened, we got some press. Um, I got asked to do press in my, in my paid life. I'm an attorney, so I had done press before for some big cases. And they said, hey, it would be nice if it's not a middle-aged white guy to do this interview. Would you go do it? So I did a small one. And then the BBC called and said, hey, will you do an interview? And I kind of very naively not realizing what that meant said, sure. And they're like, oh, it's just press. It's just, you know, it's it's just going to be a print article. It's no big deal. You know, I kind of had no idea that just a print article on the BBC means a reach of something like 30 million people in a day (laughs) I had completely naive about this said sure I'll do that and that got picked up just as Trump got elected and so our membership has grown sort of exponentially over these four years um in part because we became more noticeable and in part because we really kind of intentionally focused on that with the politicking so we we do a lot at um both The state level, at various state levels, we have um, our members go. We just had Virginia go and have a really productive day. But we very purposely don't go on, like, in Virginia, they have the gun lobby day. We purposely don't go. We go three days after it on purpose because we are not the same. They don't want to hear the same things from us, and we're not reaching the same people that that day is reaching. And we do that on purpose in, in part to differentiate ourselves, but in part to be able to go talk to lawmakers who aren't going to be listening on that day. So we do that on, on a level, um, on a state level. And then we also like today, I sent an email out to a congressman saying, hey, we want to talk about this issue because we're concerned on how it's affecting national gun rights. Will you please call me? Um, so we do national politics as well.
0: Yeah, and you know, see, the, it's the 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 company you keep and the company you're associated with. So sometimes uh, you may you may know uh, our industry gets sort of a bad rap for uh, being a little uh, excessive at times. So you know, we, we want to be the uh, we want to we want to show up and and have conversations with people. Uh, and uh, you know, our, our you, you can go out on our website and and go out and look at our press releases and things like that and see that. Um, our folks have shown up and they're they're dressed in suits and they're not slanging they're not slinging their AR-15s over their backs and they're 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 sitting down in the offices of the Oregon Oregon State Legislature and in the Virginia State Legislature and they're having meaningful conversations with these guys and it's a it's something that is noticed and and appreciated and I I really wish that more of us would do that which uh, go sit down and talk to your politicians and talk about your rights and and, and think through the the ramifications of, uh, you know, slinging a gun and shouting into a bullhorn versus sitting down and having a cup of coffee.
1: Yep, and and we also tend to talk about different things too. So so our big focus is root cause mitigation. We're not so focused on the Second Amendment. You know, come and take it. That that's not our focus. Our focus is, look. We think there's other solutions to this and banning an AR, not only is it unconstitutional, but it's ineffective. It's not gonna fix the problem you guys are talking about. If you wanna talk about reducing gun violence, and, and this is what you guys talk about, right? If you wanna talk about reducing gun violence, we need to talk about reducing violence because it's all violence. And we need to talk about the things that help. And one of the things we I, I've gone and talked to Congress people about is, we need to talk about mental health. We need to talk about mental health funding. We need to talk about how does that play in? We need to talk about um, crime mitigation writ large. If if, what are you doing that is crime mitigation? What are you doing that is suicide prevention? What are you doing that is income inequality problems that lead to all of these things? We talk about these underlying factors as ways to help us save our second amendment rights. Because if we wanna save our second amendment rights, We need to look at those social issues that people on the left really care about and talk about solving those so that the people like us on the left who want to keep our right to self-defense, they're not, these things shouldn't be so intertwined. They're they're different problems and they're different solutions and banning an AR isn't going to solve the problem of generational systemic racism or, uh, you know, crime on the streets when the crime you're really talking about is a lot of petty crime and, and property crime that then leads to, you know, lower property value and all that kind of thing. I mean, all these things are, are solutions that don't have to do with guns, but that all seem to get tied back to it. And we talk about that a lot.
2: One of my uh, questions that I really enjoy asking people of the the left-hand political stripe, and I'm going to ask you guys this too, because we asked it Randy Mion who was on, uh, another show is I, I can't figure, <clears throat> excuse me. I can't figure out for the life of me, how firearms became politicized. I, I don't, I don't get it. I have ideas, I have theories, but nothing's really gelled for me. So I'll ask you guys the same thing. And and, and also I'll put, I'll put on here as a footnote, all that stuff that you just rattled off sounds like it should be tackled. and And maybe the disagreement is like, whether it should be tackled from a grassroots community perspective versus over ter- overarching authoritarian governmental intervention, right? Maybe that's the right versus left thing. I don't, I don't know, but how in the heck did firearms become politicized? Do you guys have thoughts? Well-formed uh, theories? <laughs> I, I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, we do. <laughs> I, I,
2: I
0: do. I, I got some thoughts. Um, uh, was it Cincinnati? What was the NRA meeting where Wayne orchestrated the, uh, uh, the, the 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 massacre, as it were. Uh, so when, you know, I'm the NRA and I vote. And uh, at some point, uh, I'm the NRA and I vote became uh, mostly conservative. Uh, so you'd have, uh, let's call them left-leaning folks that with good intentions that felt peace was the answer and nobody needed guns, right? So you've got this sort of uh, kumbaya thing that's going on where and, and you know it's a legitimate thing right there's a uh, i i shouldn't need to do violence in order to live my life right that's a well-meaning well thought well well maybe not well thought out well-meaning uh, sort of well-founded kind of kind of position to take guns are violent violence is bad violence is not the answer right you heard that in the 80s and the 90s violence is not the answer um and, and then you started seeing this politicization of the, of gun rights start happening when uh, our friends at the NRA started endorsing politicians and having scorecards and things like that. And then invariably with violence not being the answer and crime is bad and black people do crime and then we start drawing these sort of racial boundaries and uh, and political boundaries through the last, what, 35, 40 years. Um, it, it, it's sort of the natural conclusion that we end up with with suddenly it's You know, when we're in this sort of age of hyper-tribalism, right? I'm a liberal, you're a conservative. We should uh, draw swords tomorrow morning at dawn.
2: Uh, Swords, yes, just not guns. Just
0: not (laughs) guns. It'd be over faster. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, you've got this sort of, that's a trajectory that we can't, I, I mean, anybody that looks at it should be able to see that's exactly where it came from. Like we started off talking about guns um, and rights, but then you start folding in all these other things like, well, okay, well, then you've got inner city violence and you've got gang violence and uh, whatever the other buzzwords are for uh, for when poor people shoot each other. Uh, And all of that led to a whole bunch of really bad legislation over the last 40 years. Not the least of which was that crime bill that everybody likes talking about from the mid-90s. So um, the politi- the politicization was, I think, inevitable given that trajectory. Um, you had the occasional sort of cross the aisle thing that happened. Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna invoke the name of the, the press secretary for Reagan, <laughs> right? Where somebody decides, oh shit, I got hurt, and now something needs to be done. There ought to be a law. Uh, so I, I think that it, I think that it was inevitable. I think it 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 fell down a, a, along those lines, and you know, it started in the late '70s. It may mm-hmm. have even started earlier, but really solidified over the '80s and '90s. And suddenly it's a it's a tribalism thing, and nobody even thinks about it anymore. Nobody thinks that it's a well, I've got to be a good liberal, so I got to be against guns. Nobody make, puts any thought into that anymore.
3: Right.
2: It and, makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you for that. I appreciate okay. it.
1: And then I'd add in sort of the last twenty years, you've got you've got that that happened, and then you've got the the very cynical sort of post-Citizens United fundraising aspect of how do we fundraise on both sides of this, right? So now you right. have the NRA that has realized that this is a really effective fundraising method. And on the left, you know, one of the things I talk about is that it is not unreasonable when one side is calling you names and the other side is telling you that if you don't donate to them, your children are going to die. It is not unreasonable to donate to the side you think is going to save your kids, right? right. And that is its own very cynical side of the left. And, and, you know, there is truth to the fact that that is primarily funded by a paternalistic authoritarian who <laughs> to get involved with that and, and to be fair is a true believer. And, you know, that there is a lot of funding and they are very, very, that side is well funded as well. But I mean, it's very disingenuous to say the gun side is not, it absolutely is. Right. Um, people get so, caught uh, up in that emotion, right? There's an emotion, yeah. right? So There's, as soon as as soon as, you, as soon as you
0: drew the battle lines, um, then it's an emotional argument. We, we may have seen people get caught up in the emotion recently. Uh, they may have been in Washington, D.C., and they may have done some really stupid stuff. Uh, but you get caught up in that emotion, and it's you're online, and you're talking to people and say, like, oh, I don't want my kids to die. Fuck those people. Oh, you're going to have to bleep that out, aren't you?
3: No, we – Trust me. You let <laughs> <to> it fly here.
2: <laughs> All right. We, uh, even though I like to say that we invite 14-year-olds to listen, we also don't advertise with trigger warnings. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> My 14-year-old here is plenty of swearing in a house with a dad who's a Marine and a mom who is a Second Amendment activist, lawyer. So.
2: <laughs> this this is great because it speaks really well to my to my professional heart um, because I do emotional functioning for a living. I teach it all over the place. And I see it happening all over, all over. Social media, regular media, in person. Um, and so I get it. And what I was struggling with was why, why can't reason be discussed and i think it's because of what you all the aforementioned right so we draw these lines we retreat into our tribes uh protect the tribe is a very biological ingrained defense uh mechanism that we that we need to survive as people Um, we don't want to get separated from the tribe and all that stuff and what ends up happening is we create an ego around it that says well this this is my identity now my ego and what I believe and all these things that I think are therefore my identity and if I question the things I think or believe I'm therefore questioning my identity and I don't know what I'm going to do without an identity so it becomes very defensive and people get very dug in and now I see very reason-based folks trying to push a reasonable message with facts and data and stats and all that stuff and science and, and research. And they're getting shut down by the emotion on, on all sides. And to me, as a, as a family systems thinker, a lot of times when we get people into the office, for example, who are, you know, list off their bevy of complaints about what their kids are doing or their spouse or whatever, um, we as clinicians tend to get sucked into that, what, what we call content, and we miss the process behind it. And so you could end up playing therapeutic whack-a-mole with like the anxiety or the substance abuse or the arguing at the home or whatever it is. And you're missing the fact that like there's, there's no trust or no intimacy or inability to tolerate distress going on. And it's very, very challenging to go all the way back to the root cause. I love that you said root cause effects. Um, because we get so caught up in the weeds and it's like, that's you're literally talking the wrong part of the brain. If you're presenting logic, when people are emotional, it's just literally not going to be received. So that makes a ton of sense to me. I appreciate the, the historical context, Ed, that made a lot of, I mean, it just, it, that's, that's what I was looking for. That's the crystallization. So thank you, appreciate that. I may need to steal the whack-a-mole mole con- second amendment whack-a-mole. mole so well, yeah. I mean, how, how many moles do you want to hit? Just unplug the machine if you want exactly. to stop and mold. So, <laughs> so what is that plug that we pull out? It's, you know, um, we gotta, we gotta start talking to each other as human beings, not as they, and, um, and, and really remove the, the ego identity from it and say, Hey, these are just ideas. You're allowed to change your mind. So I guess my, my next question is when talking to the quote unquote, I, I won't say that because I learned enough from Randy to, to say that liberal is not a political identity. You it's can a, throw out
0: anything you learned from Randy as far
2: well. Well, yeah. <laughs> Randy Rand,
0: Rand, Rand, Rand is, Rand, Rand is a lovely man, and, but we're, I'm a little bit different. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. no, <it's>
1: just, <laughs> say what yeah. you were going to say. Oh, I know.
2: No, he, he, <laughs> no, he. What he did is he educated me on something that liberalism as a concept is not today's progressivism, I guess, is what the better way of, of encapsulating it. And it, and it seemed to me and, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, cause this is just my interpretation. I'm only, I'm very new to trying to conceptualize this because forever I've been taught by culture and media and whatnot is that there are two camps and they don't it's oil and water. And I don't believe that's the case anymore. So I guess my question is how is your communication and your dialogue and then the follow-up, the, the receptivity bin, when you talk to the quote unquote progressives who are completely anti-gun because it folds in with all of the other issues and say, we no, we, we can extract this one. And I would be able to say, I can extract <clears throat> a lot of social issues from that too, and say these are not political. We should be caring for the homeless. We should be caring for racial inequality. Like we what 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 is going on here? And how do you how do you talk about that? All rights I, for all people. I'm yeah, sorry. every
1: single civil right for every single
2: person. Well, and, we're and, done with our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, <laughs> we have just solved America's issues. Um,
1: well,
3: I, I do actually have a question about that. I mean, have you had experiences where you've gone in and sat down, tried to have a normal conversation, and and they're just like absolutely not? Like
0: yeah, all the time, all the time, all the time. Um my, now my favorite
1: insult is yeah, good. being told that I was an NRA shell and I'm like <laughs> you read the website cuz uh no
3: <laughs> Oh god that's great you know it's it, I, for me I I I've been to you know I had the honor of speaking at your your annual conference or your meeting um I've watched I just sat back and observed what was going on I mean you for those that are listening that that never knew this this organization existed or never thought liberals could shoot guns, you wouldn't know the difference if you took out the title, right? It's just a bunch of like-minded 2A people that are into firearms and shooting. And that's why I think, like, your organization is so important. And I know I know this because I've seen the, the effect it's had on people that have recently – my mother, for example, when my mom got into guns, I – I said, you got to check out this organization. And she was like, I love this. And and one of the things that is so important and that we hold so dear as the firearms industry is like, nobody understands us. If they just took the time to understand us. And and that's when I look at, at this organization and I say, man, I knew you couldn't have the NRA behind it. I wouldn't want the NRA. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's too much, but, but people need to understand that you guys are a mouthpiece for for our rights like that's you know i'm talking about not me you know where i stand but the rest of the industry this is why what you do is so important you can have those meetings and still get told you're whatever you know in disguise or but at least you're walking in there and it's not going to get emotional you know you 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 understand the game the value you bring to the firearms industry i think is very high
0: so the- I, I just, so the, the notion that uh, you know, people will call shills or, or just shut down on us, and it, it depends on which wh- who the person is that's shutting down, right? So I had a political reporter, uh, God, was it four years ago, three years ago? Uh, I'd have to look at the date. It was, it was the Texas the Texas annual meeting. So when, when we do these meetings, we, we bring the press, like come and talk. Uh, and a lot of talk about BBC. We've had Politico. We've had uh, um, oh, God. I've now completely drawn a blank on what that uh, Progressive Magazine is. That damn Pacific Standard uh, uh, is the magazine. We've had the Trace. Uh, uh, we've had the Trace. We've had uh, you know the 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 NBC, ABC, etc. Um, I think the most sort of Combative is not the right word because it wasn't combative. He was legitimately trying to understand the, the point of view. It was the political reporter saying, well, "Doesn't it just fly in the face of everything else that you believe in?" And you know, I, well, one, the key is to not be emotional. And the simple answer was no. <laughs> yes. And then the like, not no, and scream expletives and pound my hand on the table. Just no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't fly in the face of um, and face anything. And it really does come back to I, I know you, you you sort of were, were being sarcastic about let's end the show, but you know, it's no, we believe that these rights are important and we believe all these rights are important, right? For the same reason that I think I can be a, a Second Amendment advocate, I can also give a crap about my roads and my fire departments and my police departments and all of the things that make us a community that are otherwise sort of socialist anathema right we're not uh, you know we, we've, we've got this community that we're all trying to be part of and i do i want to i don't i don't want to see somebody lying on a bench not because i don't want to see them lying on a bench but because they shouldn't need to lie on a damn bench right you know get them inside get them some food right yep. uh, hey, get yeah. you know It's uh, it's true.
2: There's there's so many things I want to ask because these these ideas keep rolling through my head, and I want to take them one at a time so I don't bombard everybody with my mental nonsense. But um, I think where where I'd like to go uh, for a little bit at least is to try to explore the um, the concept because we have these labels, right? And these labels of Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Liberal, Conservative, Um, they get They get to be part of the identity. They get to be part of the ego. And then I've already explained why that's problematic. So, how do we say the labels don't matter? What matters are the principles?
1: Well, um, kind of two thoughts on that. I really hate being called a classical liberal. I am not. Oh,
0: so not that. No.
1: (laughs) So not that. I am not a conservative who thinks that there should be like pot smoking and guns that's not me when i say i'm liberal i mean i'm somewhere left of the democratic party and joe biden is a very very nice moderate republican like I, I, we are for the most part in our club especially at the leadership at national level we mean left we don't mean leftist black bloc but we mean left really left as in yeah we think some of these ideas that everybody screams are socialist we say meh Uh, we don't really care what label you're putting on it but yeah we want our communities to be healthy we want we want so like bringing it back to guns right i don't want magazine capacity laws not so much because i mean i lived with them for the first however four or five years i was shooting in california not because they're kind of inconvenient, and there's this huge Second Amendment thing, but in large part because they're used as sentencing enhancement for brown boys and black boys, and that's a problem. Yep. I don't agree yep. with that. You're, and, looking,
3: yeah, you're looking down the field. Sorry to cut you off, but you're not yep. looking five yards ahead. You're looking down the field. You're right on.
1: Yeah, yep. it's not my constitutional right that I'm so concerned with there. I mean, I do care about that, but, but really, it, to me, I, you know, I am an upper middle class white woman. To me, it is an inconvenience talking about specifically about like magazine capacity. To them, it is a constitutional deprivation. And I care about that because I think we should care about the deprivations that are happening in our community. And that, so for a large part, that's kind of a big difference in how, so when people say, oh, you're just classical liberal. No, no, we mean liberal, like left of democratic party liberal for the most part. No, and and that's not everybody in the club, but for us.
0: Yeah, it's a a really big, stupid tent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So let me, let me, uh, let me pepper this in. How do you respond when the the, the presented argument is, well, yes, we also want our communities to be safe. Therefore, we've determined guns are dangerous and bad and poor people shoot each other. And therefore, we'll just take them away. And that'll keep everyone safe.
0: And that's what we talk- oh no! Oh, please, please let me do it. Let me, that's you. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> 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 I want to do it? Um, one, you've you've not determined shit. <laughs> right?
2: Agreed. That's okay. the, that's the state, the stats, and the data, right?
0: So the stats and the data simply don't support it. And two, all right, snap your fingers. Guns are gone tomorrow, right? Through whatever mechanism, constitutional or not. Let's
1: let's Magic wand. Yep. yep. Magic
0: wand. Magic wand happens. You didn't have a civil war over it. Whatever. They're gone. What problem did you solve?
2: Uh, Death. Right. Well, we solved death. No more school shootings. No more mass shootings. No more suicides by firearm. People
0: people aren't. So, suicides in this country are what? About forty thousand people a year.
2: Yep. About twenty four and a half thousand are by firearm.
0: And about half of them by a firearm, right? Well, actually a little over half because it has ticked up because, mm-hmm. well, people are extra sad uh, with really freaking good reasons, right? Yep. Um, but so about half of those people are dying by firearms. The other half, what are we going to do about that? Right. So we've got this enormous number of human beings that are killing themselves every year. 40,000 is a decent sized number. You know, it's what one tenth of one percent of the population. Um, that's a big number. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people here,
2: and not to mention the ripple effect. Not
0: to, <laughs> not to mention the ripple effect, and not to mention all the uncounted things that probably are suicides that don't get counted in that statistic. Correct. So you've got you've got this sort of big number where half of them are shooting themselves, and the other half are putting their heads in the oven, or
2: right,
0: driving right. the wrong way in traffic or their wrists or, you know, trigger warning, anything that you can do to hurt yourself, people are doing it. So half of them are doing it through means that aren't firearms. Why isn't that a problem?
2: So that if I can just continue the role play for a second, the yes, but is we made a difference. We saved half those people.
0: But you didn't. But you didn't. But you didn't because, you 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 know, on a good day, you saved half of half of those people, which is still not a terrible thing, right? All right, so you saved you saved 10,000 people, but the other 30,000 still died. So what's the thing that's going to solve the problem? How are you going to make it so that fewer of those people want to kill themselves You know, and are successful at it? You can't ban everything. I mean, the UK has been banning knives for, what, the last five years, and how's that gone for them? Japan doesn't have guns and their suicide rate is problematic. Right. You know, it's a, it's a question of, you know, what's the best, and I'm going to be an asshole about this. What's the best bang for the buck? Um, You know, what are you going to do to solve the problem? So poof, the guns have gone. You haven't solved the social inequalities. You haven't solved uh, the poverty issues. You haven't solved the things that drive crime. You know, all you've done is driven them to different tools and methods to still accomplish the same goal. So what I would expect would happen if the magic wand got waved is you'd see a dip and let's just be generous and say, okay, the 30,000 people next year shoot themselves or kill themselves because guns are gone. But then you'll slowly see that climb back up the ladder because folks are going to be mad and sad and poor and all those things. And you'll all you're going to do is put a Band-Aid on it. You're going to put a Band-Aid on a gusher, right? You don't put a Band-Aid on a gusher. You put a tourniquet on it.
2: Is it, is it as simple as to say what's about to be cynical out of my mouth to say, the people advocating for such a thing—if they achieve it—they get to hang their hat and wave their flag and say, "Look at what we did! Aren't we so special?" Um, continue to It fund is us absolutely both, both cynical. Again. But absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier to—it's easier to breach for a band aid because it's harder to apply a tourniquet.
0: It's a—it's a, it's a soundbite. It's sound bite politics. Okay.
1: It, it's sound politics, but it's also willful ignorance. It's hard to look at some of this stuff. I mean, when you start digging into the data, it's not really nice to read data about how women are abused and about how white men between the ages of 30 and 65 commit suicide at a rate that's like four times everybody else. It's not really nice to have to sit and read these. And so if you can surface solution this where you don't really have to dig, it's frankly a lot easier on the people who are offering the solutions mental health. This stuff is hard to read, it is not fun. And so I think that that in in a large part of it, I think that's a large part of it, but you know, the other thing we haven't touched on is the absolute racism of the gun control lobby. And, And that I talk about because I obviously have a pretty decent platform for this as a white woman saying, Y'all never cared about this until white kids died.
3: Yeah,
1: No one talks about the other kids that are dying because they're not talking about touching anything that affects those statistics. You're not talking about going out and making differences in those communities. You're not even talking about banning guns that, you know, poof, wave the magic wand and all the ARs are gone tomorrow. That's not going to solve the vast majority of under 18s that are harmed by gunfire at all. Period. And, and so, but it's harder to look at that because, you know, Jake, you and I have talked about this before, I think, that myopia, it's, it's very natural. You, you know what your community is and, and your brain really can't, we, we can't, as kind of creatures, focus on all the harms in the world or-, or We'll go <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know, we'll
2: go crazy. Right?
1: And we'll so you focus, you focus on the harms that's your community, But when your community is the one with the big platform and you're only talking about your community, that becomes more harmful. So that's one of the things I talk about when talking to liberals is, hey, look, if we're really talking about a liberal thing, we need to be talking about not in a paternalistic way, but we need to be talking about caring for all communities, not just ours. Um, So let's
2: yeah, that's it's brilliantly put. I love the part about communities and how we only notice it when it when it affects us. Um, That's that's not unique to this issue. It's it's. It's pandemic. And um, I want to spin it around and say, all right, fine, fine, fine. We'll make a cause then for owning guns because across the across the world, there's lots of countries who are like, I don't understand how you'd even want to own a gun. What what must it be like living in a society where you need such a thing, a tool of violence? You know, it's like, how, how do we make this statement that yes, but we have all these other problems and the, the pushback is, but we can solve a little bit of it. And he'd say, or right, make make the make the case for guns." Then, like, why why even have them if, if if Ed's got his hand in the air and he's gleefully grinning?
0: I um, I grew up in the Midwest, right? So I spent my summers on a farm in Ohio. Uh, you get up in the morning, you you go out, and the first thing that the matriarch says to you is, "Take the rifle with you." You see a groundhog, I want you to shoot it. You see a fox, I want you to shoot it. Otherwise, go out and have fun. There's always a rifle. So we go out and, you know, we do our thing. And um, I don't think I ever shot a groundhog or, or, or a fox while I was out on the three-wheeler tour in the tour in the farmland. But those are tools that are necessary for that life. So that's one part. And that's only part of the whole sort of ecosystem of, of firearms ownership. But it's not just defense uh, of self, it's defensive of sort of you know that that lifestyle. because you don't want the groundhog digging up a hole that the tractor then ends up in and flipping the tractor and breaking granddaddy's neck. Uh, so so there was a, a there was a real sort of tangible benefit to to taking a gun out while you were doing things. Uh, that said, uh, and now that I'm uh, an old man <laughs> and uh, and no longer on the farm, uh, people suck sometimes and um, they're not nice and it's a better to have and not need than need and not have um, and there have been times in my life where that firearm was the, 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 the only thing between me and potential disaster uh, so defending yourself whether it's against nature or against other humans, is... um, We've got some really, really wonderful members in the club whose stories are so compelling that I wish I could bring them uh, here to tell you. So I'm going to try to explain uh, one or two of them without actually giving up who those people are. Right. So you've got this notion of... uh, Gentleman in the Pacific Northwest had uh, been a lifelong pacifist, like life, well, basically a pea stick, right? Like epitome of Northwest liberal. Um, and ended up in an altercation with the person that wanted to kill him uh, and nearly succeeded. And that person went to jail, but then got out. And it was a, I'm going to come get you. And that brought that gentleman to guns.
2: That's that's Charles Bronson in Death Wish is what you just described. <laughs> right? for, for the most, he's not vigilante. It's not vigilantism. I will, t- I will tell the person.
0: I will tell the Charles Bronson. He's <laughs> passed away, but <laughs> uh, but then you also have uh, folks who are, uh, say, transgender, or otherwise in a uh, uh, in a group of folks that uh, maybe law enforcement doesn't so much care about and their only recourse is to protect themselves. Because as wonderful and liberal as we all are, uh, uh, not so much. <laughs> uh, so, so prejudice uh, drives people to need to defend themselves. Um, we've got lots of really wonderful African-American members who are extremely vocal about it. Maybe you should talk to some of them next. Uh, Or possibly even to the National African American Gun Owners uh, uh, group.
2: You're writing this down on our uh, Never Ending Guest list, right, Michael? That's right. Yeah.
0: To to talk about what brings them into their perceived need to defend themselves. So I'm going to use sort of trigger words here so everybody in the listening audience get over it. You know, the state sometimes won't protect you. And if you can't count on the state to protect you, or rather, maybe the state is actively against you, you need the facility to make it so that you don't die. Um, So the fact that we have this sort of law enforcement state sometimes where they don't care about certain segments of society, or at least there's a perceived uncaring of it. Uh, Folks need guns. Um, and that's not the usual two-way <laughs> uh, uh, rallying cry right you know it's uh it's like this is uh th- these people fear for their lives um, i don't i'm a middle-aged white guy um you know i, I carry a gun because i can and uh, i occasionally put myself in situations where it's better to have it and and uh, and, and uh, not need to use it
2: but some of these folks it's a it keeps them alive, and so can't 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 we can't we push back with the cynical? Okay, fine, but you don't need a fifty round mag, you don't need a black rifle, you don't need the you know high capacity bullpup, you know whatever it is.
0: I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and kick it back to you. To say most gunfights are what less than five rounds in less than ten seconds.
2: Right. <laughs>
0: so maybe I don't. At the end of the day, I need a gun. Mm -hmm. What do I need beyond that? You know, it's a it's a question of what what purpose does that rule serve? Yeah. I I, I live live in Massachusetts, right? I got 10 round mags. I'm stuck. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And and I did until Freedom Week. I mean, yeah, I can defend myself with a 10 round magazine, but why not have the best tool for defending myself? I I mean for the best job. Yeah, I I I, best tool for the job. And if police have them, why don't I get them? Exactly. I mean, that's kind of my thing is, is if literally the state's not protecting me, why don't I get to use the same tools as the state to protect me? That
2: sounds very libertarian. What's the difference between libertarian and liberal in that context, I guess? Or does it even matter? I
0: somebody pay for the roads. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, there you (laughs) go. Parks and roads. (laughs) I still <laughs> want somebody to pay for the roads, pay for the pay for the fire stations, pay for yeah. I still want I'm, somebody. to pay for that. Obviously, I'd I'm, I'm playing do. the role
2: of a pedantic hairsplitter here, but I think what we're doing is we're drawing out the idea that the gun rights and firearms freedoms and Second Amendment are separate and apart from political belief. Right? That's the that's the whole point of this.
1: Yeah, uh, they are. And you know, I mean, kind of switching it over, you know, one of the things that we as the firearms community writ large do poorly is we talk about self-defense and we don't talk about guns as what Ed was talking about, about them being on a farm as a tool. And we don't talk about them as being fun. I mean, look, what firearms are used for in the United States is not by and large self-defense. They are obviously used for that, but what they're really used for is going to the range and having fun by like, I don't even know what order of magnitude. And, and so, you know, the day you have to use your gun for self-defense is a day you never, ever, ever want to get to as a firearms owner, but you want to go to the range and shoot paper, you know? I mean, and we don't talk about that. And this is one of the things that I talk about, especially when I talk to women, it's empowering and it's fun and to go and, and to do competitions. I mean, I, I shoot some bullseye competition, you know, I shoot some 22 stuff, um, that stuff is really fun. It's fun to go do that. And I want the best tools for that as well. You know, and I especially have a problem when the laws that are going to keep me from having the tools for what for me is most likely to be fun are really going to be used to harm members of the community who are the last ones who should be being harmed by our laws.
2: Let's let's dive into that, Laura, because you're really passionate about that. And we've had, we've had Kevin Dixie on, we've had, um, uh, Colian on. We had um, Devin Perkins on, and oh, uh, and when we had Argo on. Um, but I want to hear from your perspective as well because you're super fired up about this. Uh,
1: which uh, about communities? My, comu- and, and,
2: yeah, minority communities, oppressed peoples, and yeah. and why it's so important that that people who look like us with our lack of pigmentation should be speaking up about it.
1: I think it's really important. I, I think that you know, a lot of the stuff that came out this year, and a lot of the flashpoints in the country, right, were not, they aren't wrong. I mean, you can disagree about how stuff was handled, but the reality is when you have communities who are being treated differently by the state, who who are, arrested at rates that are much higher who have laws applied to them unequally and I'm a lawyer. It, it, there's not a question that laws are not applied equally in the United States. Um, when you have this happening, you need to have the communities who are being disenfranchised, who are from whatever right it is, who are being told you don't deserve this right. I mean this is what Kevin Dixie talks about right all the mm-hmm. time. You're told if you're in a certain community, and and it's not one community, by the way, that's taught, that's told this, it's a lot of communities, you don't deserve this right, you're just going to harm yourself. How paternalistic is that?
2: And I judgmental mean, and condescending and full of racism. Right. Yeah.
1: And, and, sexism and, and sexism and ableism and all of these things. I mean, I have a friend who has a mask who carries a gun because she's like, I can't run. I don't have a wheelchair, but I can't run. I'm look I'm a 50 year old white woman I can't beat a 20 year old six foot five guy who wants to come after me in a foot race that's never gonna happen I'm five two you know like on my best day that's not gonna happen I I I, we need to talk about the fact that this is some about equalization but also that communities when you're we need to be careful that we're not trying to take rights away from the communities who need the most. And those communities are a pretty broad swath of the United States. And it's not, you know, no offense, but it's not really middle-aged white guys.
2: Yeah. A lot of sound bites in here. I like that. We want to make sure that we're not taking away rights from the communities who need them the most.
0: No, if you want, you, want to add, you want to add a little more sort of uh, historical favor, it's the uh, God created men equal, cult made them more equal right <laughs> it's it's an equalizer right it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a it's a power balancer so the so the, the 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 gentleman i was talking about in oregon you know the 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 wounds he sustained made it po- impossible for him to run you know he's carries a king and he walks at about a third of the speed that everyone else walks at the uh you know it's it's an equalizer so, so a power equalizer is always important. You know, hey, you know what? Give everybody swords. Give everybody the ability to defend themselves. Um, and I'm kinda I'm kind of there too. But that notion of self-defense, it's important. And it's not just about me going out on the farm and shooting groundhogs or foxes. It's about me defending myself or my family. Not my television. <laughs> not my yeah. Not my not my tractor not my car but myself or my family
1: and stuff
0: it's it's that's a huge thing so you'll you, you, you get in you can get into these arguments with our our colleagues on the left about well what would you do somebody comes up and grabs your wife in an inappropriate way what are you gonna do And they're going to say, almost without exception, I would do something. And then we can get into discussion. Okay, exactly what are you going to do? And there might be some fisticuffs or whatever. But, you know, they start getting into the notion that, well, that's actually, I need to defend. I need to do something. I need to defend myself or my family. Uh, What are you going to do when the guy, you know, pulls that knife out and sticks it right up against your gullet? You know, you're going to do something. You're going to fight. And why, my general approach is to why not have the best tools available to fight that you have. Um, and sometimes that's actually a gun. Sometimes it's not.
2: And, and to the earlier point about the, how the, the state, capital T, capital S, as represented by law enforcement, judicial system, um, doesn't always effectively carry out its, its job equally. Filing a police report is insufficient, Right to to the point about you know incarcerated people leave prison uh, to the clip of about sixty eight to seventy percent depending on what state you're in, and they go they go back at that I'm sorry they go back at that rate so um, to borrow a phrase from my friend Christian Conti uh, who does work in prison systems for prison reform so that they come out better than they went in ostensibly um, when they get out who do you think they're offending on to go back in it's it's us right so if you can't trust the judicial system, you can't trust law enforcement. That's a, that's a pretty poor trope to, to trot out and say, well, just call the police. I don't, I might not have There's a police seconds around
0: count the police are minutes away.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So let's, let's steer this a little bit into the mental health realm. Cause it's a guns mental health show. How come you guys are uh, interested in this organization? What, what, what fires you up about this?
0: Oh, it's perfect.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank yes. you thank you uh, well, thank uh, you for joining <laughs> our podcast That concludes
0: <laughs> it's perfect no it so so when we get at uh, so you know we talked a few minutes ago about suicides they account for two-thirds of the uh the violence that's done on people by firearms quote-unquote whatever whatever nomenclature you want to attach to that people shoot themselves um and of the people that that get shot two thirds of them are shooting themselves, and suicide is a huge driver of what people refer to as gun violence it's not gun violence it's violence it's and it's suicide and that's what you guys do is you're doing something about it so that's that, i mean I'm not kidding it's perfect we we've had the uh the the um the fortune to uh, to work with uh recently some folks that i believe you guys are familiar with affirm research and uh dr betts in colorado mm-hmm. um and they're also doing the yeoman's work on of, uh, of mm-hmm. sort of addressing this from a slightly different angle but uh, an important one nonetheless you know if you look at violence in this country and then take gun violence as a thing that you want to address the biggest bang for the buck, again, I apologize for the stupid euphemism is suicide prevention. And if you can, I'm going to also be a completely, you can save just one life. Um, you, you've done something, you've done something positive. And that was what, uh, when, when Laura introduced me to Michael a couple of years ago was that, that's, that's the draw. It's like, oh my God, you're actually, you might actually make a difference. You might actually save some of these lives under like, unlike the the Brady campaign that all they want to do is write laws that, that restrict gun rights. But you know, admittedly, and you can fact check this at some point, uh, if you do that sort of thing, you know, their, their political director said, no, 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 we're not interested in any of these actual violence prevention programs. We're just interested in writing laws. Um, you know the, the the stated purpose of the organization is to save lives, and that ain't it. Your guys is right. so you're you're doing you're doing the work. That's why. Laura, anything?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think there's that, but I also think that the work you're doing um, to talk to doctors um, that there is a huge problem in our country in in the gun world that no one talks about, which is that four four seven three form that people really don't understand and, and that so many people are afraid to get mental health who are gun owners because they think it's gonna get their guns taken away. And, and well, you know, that's not how that form is intended to function. Um, to the extent that we can get education out there so that more people get mental health treatment who need it, um, especially, you know, dear to my heart is veterans, my husband's a veteran and, and our whole families and my dad and everybody was, Um, we need those people reaching out to get mental health because boy, will that make a difference in our country? I mean, I think, you know, one thing that, that we could do a whole nother show on is kind of the whole political divide and how that comes from places of mental health, right? On, on both sides and and what the mental health aspects of that are, um, fear, lack of control, um, you know institution having institutionalized um vocational training into a military um that has now led to to some really harmful effects on a whole generation of young people um all of these things like all of this flows into that right if we want to keep our second amendment rights which we do we need to address people who feel that they can't get mental health because they're gonna lose those rights. And I think you guys are right at that alley and that's something that I think our organization talks about too. You know, we've done some stuff on that and and talked about that and talked about, you know, one of the things we do talk about when we lobby um, is the unintended consequences of what otherwise might be a good law, right? So, you know, we, we go into the lawmakers with a little bit of a different perspective on red flag laws, which is, yeah, yeah, we, we, we understand that there's people that you don't want to have firearms, but the way you've written this law, you're gonna take this from the woman whose violent ex-husband goes and gets a restraining order against her. You're gonna take this from the guy who is having a reaction to medication and needs mental health because of that reaction to medication. You're going to take these from, you've now made it so in California, if I go on a new medication for a problem that has nothing to do with my mental health, and I, because lots of mental, lots of medications affect mental health on a short-term basis, right? When you're adapting to it or whatever. I can't give one of my guns to my husband for safekeeping. He can't even legally change the combination on my safe for 30 days my only option is to give that firearm to the police because i am the only registered owner of that gun in california that makes zero sense if i transfer it to somebody else i'm a felon and they're a felon including my spouse
2: there's no exception for family in california
1: zero on registered assault weapons
2: Makes note to incorporate into presentation. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll make that worse.
0: There's no exception for family in Massachusetts at all. Uh, You know, the the, the transferee, I'm I'm legally obligated to register the transfer to someone. So if I needed to do what Laura was talking about, I would have to fill out what's called an FA-10 online. And it would then legally be someone else's. That said, the gray areas I could probably give somebody and they could put it in their safe. It would still be legally registered for me, but if I really wanted to make it all official, right, and make it so that I'm having whatever this break is, and I need deeds to be somewhere else, the the facility. This was actually something that we we talked with Dr. Betts about a few weeks ago. You know, the that the safe storage laws they're great idea. (laughs) It's a great idea to be able to give somebody your guns. If you're having a problem or you're going out of state or whatever, you know, to be able to make sure that they're safe and they're safely stored, but you can't affect them in what about 15 States in the union because of the stupid transfer laws that we've affected here out of this notion that we need to close that guns, that gun show loophole. Um, So there's a lot of stupid, stupid shit um, that doesn't help. And it would be great if we could figure out how to make that less stupid, but that's going to be longer than what we have left in this show.
3: (laughs) I think one of the ways though, that we do that, and, and it's kind of been the philosophy of everybody that's been behind walk the talk America is that you do go have the conversation. You take the emotion out of it. You work with people. It's, it's a long process. Like, um, i I always say to people i i kind of need the the staunch like product from a cool dead hands guy like right over there not not close to me but like <laughs> a little farther <laughs> right because it's so much easier when someone's like i can't talk to this guy I can talk to you yeah <laughs> like and it, it just helps what I'm doing because then they're focused on what we're doing and it's like oh it makes sense to talk you know what I mean Um, it's tough sometimes, uh, you know, people think, well, we'll just use force or we'll just scream. It's like, no, that's really not how it gets done. Like if you get down into the weeds of it, it, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of work. Um, you know, I I've seen it though. I've seen opinions change, you know, that's what gives me hope. Like we, we can go about this another way. I you know, there are politicians that are gonna die on that hill regardless because they have a political agenda and it, it it speaks to their masses. Um, but you know, the real work, the work that we do, I think is the most important because it's it's a long game thing.
2: Yeah. It doesn't get you a blue check. It doesn't get you a blue check, right? Yeah, sure. and, and and I'm thinking about for the, the the counterbalance to the pride for my cold dead hand guy hands guy is uh blue check guy who only squawks about getting rid of all the guns and who's, who's got more followers and who's got more quote unquote influence. And I think to, to your guys' point um, about being able to, to be received, you know, wearing, wearing suits and going in and sitting down um, I would imagine and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm imagining the reception there is like, I can't, I can't talk to them because they, they're one dimensional. I can talk to you guys. And I'm wondering, maybe the way we effectuate this is state by state, because Nevada just passed a transfer law and passed an ERPO law in 2019 in our legislature. We meet uh, biennially, and this this year again we're meeting. And I already saw a, an article that Mike forwarded to me how there's yet another push that will go through the legislature to do this six point uh, you know gun re- gun restriction thing, all under the auspices of you know saving people. Um, but are, are, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe maybe more partnerships like this, where we where we do present reason and we do it privately on the side in the in the legislative chambers rather mm-hmm. than on Twitter.
0: So we we we're fond kind of saying we're not single issue voters, and we say that not because and no offense to anybody that's listening, not because we give a shit about what conservative gun owners think about what we're doing. We say it because the people's minds that we're going to change. I'm not here for I'm not here for our conservative brethren to convince them that liberal that all liberals aren't bad. They've either already made up their minds or they won't, and I don't care. It really I really doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is uh, you know my friends and neighbors who have come to this conclusion that guns are bad for some reason or another. You know, those are the folks that I think I can reach. That I can talk to you, I can't talk to him, is exactly the approach that we've been taking when we do lobbying. It's a, it it it's a no. We're we're not them. Uh, you know we you. Know, broken clocks are right twice a day, and you know they might have some points, and we might even agree with some of those points, which is the fun thing. That's what gets Lara called a shill every once in a while. Um, it, it's like, yeah, I think magazine rules are stupid because they're stupid
2: (laughs) (laughs) not because I was programmed to say this talking point
0: (laughs) yeah but but I also think that they're stupid because they're stupid but I actually can tell you why I think they're stupid you know it's a it's it's the conversation of I'm not yelling at you I really do want to reach you I want to have that conversation with you because I got more in common with you than I do with that guy um and that's the thing that's lost on the greater gun community I have a couple of questions I'd like to ask you guys when we're
2: done talking. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. you can ask them now if you want. I mean,
0: <laughs> uh, one: Are you ready for the death threats?
2: Because you had us.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: Man, it is what it is.
0: I can't, you know, you know, and I, I can write the script right of what the comments are going to look like on the on this uh, on your podcast um, because I have written the script before it it so. I, I I applaud you for having us on and uh, putting up with that shit because the, yeah. the, there's not a lot of creativity in the threats.
1: Just um, ask Paul Lathrop what it was like the last time they had me on, and yeah. he was like, "Wow, I really have to censor the comments." I was like, "Yeah, yeah,
0: into yeah, yeah.
1: my world."
3: <laughs> you got to remember though; it's a it's sort of tough to beat us up. I get it, right like people you know do uh, like, <laughs> i bet you in person it's
0: really it, it, it. <laughs> no but like uh, it, it
3: really what we're doing i mean if you if so like there's always these buzz things that really resonate with what i like to say is a super conservative person one of them is is uh veteran suicide it resonates with you guys right um like our work with the VA and what we're doing, uh, so see, you see what I mean. You're taking a swing at somebody that ultimately you know is doing some good work. We we still get it, but,
0: but they still take the swing. Yeah. Uh, so what? You, you guys have been doing this for a while, um, and you obviously aren't just talking to you know us slu- soft, fluffy liberals. You know when you're talking to the conservatives in the group. <laughs> And, you know, I, I know that you may have some conservative leanings, uh, you know, what, what's the, what's, what's that experience like, right? So we're, we're having a, we're having a conversation here about trying to, you know, make it all better. You know, when you're talking to those guys or gals, I guess, um, you know, what does that look like? How do you, how, is there a difference? Is there a difference? Are you approaching it different with them than you are with us? You know, what's the, how are you making it better there?
3: I, I. I, I I'm you know, the most. We had a, a conversation at a bar. At the bar, remember after the. I do. I the, remember
0: it. That's why I asked. <laughs>
3: yeah, and it's really, it's really strange. They don't do that shit around me. They really don't. And don't I mean, don't do because, it to your face, right? Should, right. Right. I mean, maybe it's because I, I said, look, we're we're leaving the political bullshit at the door. Like that's, and that's always been kind of my like my, my motto that I yell, you know. But uh, I just don't get it, like. I know it's there. I'm not saying you're right. I I know it's there. You guys probably have have heard it when people just didn't know who you were and they were just talking, you know, and I always make those jokes, right? Like Kevin Dixie and I have this joke. Um, I completely bombed out at the, uh, when I spoke at, at the Capitol at the 2A rights rally, because I had people talking to me from the crowd who just heard guns and mental health and immediately just jumped to a conclusion that I was anti-gun and up there talking. Um, and I was joking around with Kevin and I said, if I would have just gone up there and gone, those libtards, those democrats, Trump is God. I probably, you know, would have had the whole crowd. Right. But, <laughs> and that's, that's very sad. Like that. I hate that, but maybe it's the energy I give off because I just don't, I don't believe that and I and I hate it when so I have some close friends that do it sometimes and I I correct them and I always tell them Ed about like our conversation. Imagine going and walking around a place where you're on the same team. Like if, if I walked around shot show and everyone was like, it's those damn Italians, freaking Italians. I mean, it would make me nuts. Um, and and that's why I've always been sympathetic to. Uh, to the things that you guys go through and the damn verbiage that comes out of these people's mouths, especially on Instagram and, you know, all these other horrible places that, that people have these little platforms. Um, and and this is why we're here now. This is why we're going to have to fight so hard for our Second Amendment rights because we've done this dumb shit that's so hard to undo. Um, you know, it, we there's many times I throw my hands up and I'm like, whatever happens to us, we deserve it, right? And then I have to like reel myself back in and go it's not everybody it's not everybody so I, I don't know if that answers your question but you know i i, I, I took what you told me to heart i really did
0: i it, i it I does and I, I do i i appreciate it. I, I i believe it or not i do remember that conversation
2: <laughs> from my perspective um i'll say that working in the field that I do, um, has taught me a lot about communication. So the aforementioned Christian Conte also has, uh, this yield theory that he talks about where you you meet people where they are. Um, you see through their outward behaviors and you do it with, with humble curiosity. You don't come in telling them what you're going to tell them to hear. You listen first and you validate that. And then after you've drained the limbic system and there's no more emotion, then you can introduce alternatives and it's it's exploring options and and and, and that's when you can use reason and logic because you're talking to the frontal lobe at that point. And so being able to circumvent somebody's fight or flight is crucial to communicating a message in, in any way, shape or form in any profession across any field, any discipline, any human interaction. So I, Mike affectionately refers to me as like this vampire who turns into a werewolf or something like that, that where I can be like the mental <laughs> yeah. health guy who also well. owns guns. <laughs> and <clears throat> I had to get up to speed with, with firearms culture because I have told the story a zillion times. I'll tell it again. Um, I was raised with guns my whole life, family full of cops, but never got into the culture. And uh, I, I carry, I, I never saw it more than anything as than a tool because that's what my dad did he took it to work and he put it away when he came home and so i had to understand the 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 deep vast culture that that accompanies gun ownership so that i could speak competently and coherently to the firearms community and not incur a lot of blowback or wrath and, and it's been very successful. I think a, a big part of that too is in-person conversations. It's very, very challenging to do it on social media. And we just got a, an eyeball full of this when we ran a, a Facebook ad where Mike has a 30 second spot and he says, America, we have a problem, firearm suicide, something or other, join our team, check out our website. And invariably we got the, the litany of comments. Here they come, here we go again, they're coming to take your guns. And very politely we, we respond to as many of them as we can. And we say, Hey, um, please check out the website before you comment, see who's on our team. And some people have actually gone so far as to email and say, um, where on your website does it say that you're pro 2A? It's like, did you, did you read the bios of our, of our, uh, <laughs> of our members? Cause because it literally on every one of them says second amendment advocate, firearms advocate. It's like, they, they just don't do the work because the confirmation bias is running you know hot and heavy and so what, what I did when I came out of the closet to my own community as a, as a firearms zoning clinician is I lost some colleagues. Like there's people I know who don't talk to me anymore because they have just lumped me in with they and they've just decided it in their heads that I am part of they and I must be opposed or something. However, what we know empirically from the data that we gather from that Facebook ad is thousands of people have watched the video all the way through and our web traffic increased. So we know that the outliers really don't represent the broader populace, and similarly, in my personal interactions, I've had so many people come to me on the side and be like, "Man, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing." And i want, I know Mike gets these emails all the time. Thank you because of blah blah blah. We, we've been waiting for this, right? So we know that that volume of people vastly outnumbers the naysayers, and that's very heartening. And we have to we have to focus on that as our motivation to continue pushing through, so that we don't get the 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 ridiculous bots who are just trolling um or the or the professional colleagues who just want nothing to do with it i mean personally it's it's professionally offensive when i hear my colleagues say uh, i'm not into that or that's not going to happen or uh, i don't need to learn about that because i can't ever imagine those same people saying i refuse to attend a transgender cultural competence workshop because uh, that's not for me or those people don't deserve my attention um, we get run out on a rail and yet, that's exactly what my profession is. It's, it's supposed to be all inclusive, welcoming of everyone, creating an environment that's that's conducive to change for all who seek it. And we we always fly the flag of you know lifelong learning, and and yet the same people are like, nope, not that. <laughs> it's like, like yeah. you're, you're such a hypocrite. Well, a... Welcome to the party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just described exactly what
0: being a liberal kind of
1: is all about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: And right. So let me ask you this, uh, cause you guys go to the shows. I, I mean,
1: what, okay.
3: There <laughs> has to have been times when you've ran into somebody and they just say some really dumb shit and <laughs> you're like, hi, this is who I am. This is the organization I'm with. I mean, ha- have you ever caught somebody off guard? And if so, did they reel backwards or be like, no, not all liberals. I'm talking about the anti-gun ones.
1: Um, no most of them call me the aforementioned oh you're a classical liberal no um and and that that happens uh i'll tell you randy was really terrified that i went to shot show without security the idea that i would go on my own was completely terrifying to randy and i said look you know i go with my husband i i've been going long enough now because i've gone many years that like if there was a problem nssf knows i'm there the fbi knows i'm there you guys know i'm there like I know who, I will tell you though, when I'm at a show like Shot, I at all times know where you are, where Rob's booth is, where Amy might be, where Kevin's going to be. I mean, like, and it's really funny because I now know so many people in in the industry, right, is that I look for like who the appearances are. And I have probably, you know, three quarters of those people's phone number in my phone. You know, like, I don't have to look and go see them at the booth. I can call them. But, but I'm aware of where the people who know who I am in real life, who I've interacted with, who, you know, you and I have gone to the bar and sat and had a drink. I'm aware of where those people are because I need to know that for my safety. That's a real issue. What um, hap-
2: Has this happened to you? Like, do people follow you around and stalk you and stuff? Or, or is it perceived?
1: I, I, it's, I've had people get a little loud. Um, I've had people get a little pushy, not physically, but really, well, you don't really believe that. Well, why are you here? Um, I've definitely wow. heard it in the background. Um, I've definitely heard the, the whispers of, look at, her doesn't say that, you know, um, more, 99.999% of the people are incredibly welcoming and mostly curious. There is the occasional outlier. Um, and it is it is better now that NSSF has cracked down on who's going. Obviously, we didn't have it this year, right? We all would have been there last week. But um, the, the year, the one year that was really bad, what, three years ago now that they realized it was totally out of control and it was, you know, Bubba's Gun Shop's best friend's brother tagged along because they could. That year was uncomfortable. Um, the year of the inauguration, I didn't go on Friday. On Trump's inauguration, I didn't go. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe on the floor. Um, not because of anybody who's really in the industry, but because there's a lot of other people there and it, it's 60,000 people of, I don't know. Them. Um, so yeah, no, th- there've been times that I don't feel safe. Um, the nice thing about that show is I know nobody's armed. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, that helps what I got. I don't go to NRA because that's not true. Um, and to some extent, there's stuff that I don't go to, you know, Rob and I have had huge arguments about this, about, you know, I, I, there's stuff that I don't go to because I have not personally felt that it was going to be in my best interest. It was going to be safe for me to be at it. And he's like, but you should go and represent and be there. And I'm like, look, isn't this this whole self-responsibility, like personal responsibility talk? I think it's me taking personal responsibility to not go. Stop right? being and
2: paternalistic, not- Rob. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: oh. I by the way, he hear I, about I, that. <laughs> I, I like Rob a lot. Rob and I are friends. We talk all the time. So this is not a slam of Rob, but, but Rob and I have, you know, I mean, we have arguments about
3: that. That's amazing so, that so, you know, have an argument with Rob. He's
1: totally weird. like a guy <laughs> that <time laughs> argue. And, and so, you know, this is the thing that that there are times and there are places that I just don't put myself in that that spot. But it's not the insiders, and it's not. It's not the important people, right? And it's not that NSSF would never, I mean, I can't imagine NSSF ever not having security on the floor. I can't imagine uh, GRPC not having security there. I can't, you know, and, and for the most part, once somebody hears me speak or hears, you know, especially like when I'm at GRPC and presenting, then people are curious. The before when they don't know who I am can be a little like, there can be some confrontation. But other than that, but you know, it also helps that when you have, you know, Alan or Andrew or, or the people who are running it introducing me and clearly knowing who I am, that diffuses a lot of it. They they I have enough cultural competence in the firearms world now that it's pretty well diffused.
3: Jake, and, Jake think of it this way. Like imagine if we went to any anything inside of the mental health community, and before we went, we went online and we were reading things like you know, the only good liberal is is a dead liberal or the old, okay, I'll take it from our perspective. The only good gun guy is a dead gun guy and all the dumb things that people say. So it's like, you could totally see why she would have that fear because it's like, you can't just bank on, Hey, you know, they're not going to do anything. Like that's a rot thing. Rob is very much like they're not going to do it. I have watched him like walk in the middle of a bunch of people that said they were going to do something to Rob, and they saw him. And Rob's like, "Hey, everybody, how's everybody doing?" And like people just kind of like <laughs> look at their shoes because they're confused. Like, why is he coming up and saying hi? But I don't blame anybody that wouldn't want to be around a bunch of people that are saying, "I hate liberals or right. it's damn liberals." That's
0: you we, can we, say we get our, hate we, hate our garden all all variety time. death bench. We get it. We get a. We get, a, we get yep. the. We get the internet commandos and, and whatnot. And every once in a while, somebody might be sufficiently interesting that they might be, you know, credible. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, to, to the, the original question of have, have you ever walked, have you ever had those kind of, yeah, we've had them. Um, we've uh, not with, not with anybody per se in the industry. Um, we've had them at the ranges when we've had meetings. So, you know, there's 50 guys show up with more guns than you've seen in your life. And they're all, you know, flying the flag that Lara's wearing on her shirt. Um, and then you get some cranky Texans saying, wait a minute, you liberals want to take our gun." And then you get some really interesting moments uh, between, you know, normal people and otherwise normal people who are suddenly uh, trying to explain to one another why, uh, you know, why do you want to take my guns away? It's like, that shit, I got more guns than you do, asshole. Uh right. <laughs> That's all uh,
3: I always say. Uh, when people, because like people accuse me of being anti gun all the time. Uh, yes. I've armed over a million. I did the math one day when when the time I became president of Eagle Imports to the time I sold it, I armed. Over a million American citizens. Like, we didn't have any law enforcement contracts. We didn't have any, you know, uh, military contracts. This is just straight two step distribution, sold it down the line to civilians. And I'm like, wow, I'm really bad at being anti gun.
1: <laughs> I, I talk about that a lot. I'm like, you know, I went from having not shot a gun six years ago to owning a lot and to being, you know, a Second Amendment advocate on the national stage. I'm bad
2: at this. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm bad at being (laughs) a second amendment. Sorry. I want to
2: give my own anecdote because it's relevant. Um, when I, I was in, I was chairing my licensing board here in Nevada, mostly because I was cranky and wanted to see some stuff change because we'd had our laws not even dusted off for like 30 years and it was harming everyone. And, um, I, I got tired of it and I was like, one of these days I'm going to, you know, fix things. Well, and then one of these days I found myself there way sooner than I ever anticipated. I was like, well, guess this is the time. So I immediately took to work reauthoring tons and tons of our uh, statutes and our regs and the blowback I got from my own clinical community because they were so indoctrinated with their own brand with like marriage and family therapist that they could not see, the hurt going around that we couldn't all solve as marriage and family therapists. Like the, the professional counselors needed some more help and the social workers needed some more help. And, and I absolutely got ostracized from a lot of the MFT community because I dared reach across to talk to them. Uh, and they, they had all been perceived through this rhetoric from the, the national organization that they were going to take our ability to practice. And it was like, Jake's an Uncle Tom, Jake's a turncoat. Jake, I actually got called this in an email I wasn't supposed to see. Um, I was called unethical and damaging to the profession. And that'll, that'll ring in my head forever because it was like, it was it was startling and it was somebody I respected and it was heartbreaking and it was very sad. And, and so I get that 100%. My question now is because of, we missed shot and we missed all the shows because of COVID. And now we find ourselves in this even more divided polarized isolated siloed country my question is and i thank you for pointing out that it's not the the industry people who who do this for a living it's like it's the townies who are like all, all you know internet warriors um but do we think it's going to be worse next time around is it going to be more pigeonholed yes all
1: right absolutely and, Probably. And, and i think you're seeing right i mean we have a couple of things going on right we have Two Congresswomen who I think aren't helping.
2: Correct, Um, agreed.
1: And and I I just, I'm sorry, I don't think they're helping. And and I think that that sort of quote our side, right? Needs to stop, you know, own goaling ourselves. Um, I think that uh, it's gonna be more pigeonholed. I think that there's a lot of people who didn't get what they wanted out of this in our industry. Um, I think there's a lot of people who placed bets that, you know, didn't work out the way they thought. Um, I think there's a lot of people in the United States writ large who's have had a horrendous year, right? We're right about a, a year of this, right? We're, we're like, what, four days in, in a year? Um, this, is a, this has been a crap year for a lot of people and that doesn't speak well to what is this going to be like. I think it's gonna be harder. Um, and I just think it means that the people in the industry like us who do the work kind of not not from that perspective, have more work to do. Um, but you know, but I, I want to talk to something Ed said earlier. No, no offense to kind of the, the right, but I don't exist in this industry to make the right wing happy. I exist in this industry to fight for Second Amendment rights. And my voice is for the people on the left who aren't otherwise heard. And and that's what the Liberal Gun Club is here for. That's why Ed and I are here. And, and so... I'd really love if everybody on the right joined in and gave me a ton of support, but if they're not going to, that's not gonna stop what I do.
2: I have a, that's a great segue because I wanted to address this eight-ish new million million new gun owners that uh, some statistics have uh, tossed out. There are other people saying this, but I'm gonna give you credit to, to Argo and to Randy for really like, making me and Mike want to take this on. It's the idea that there's a whole bunch of people who don't know where they fit and it's set aside that what the, the, the broader meaning of the great reset is, but is, is it us now? Is it our time to take all of the disenfranchised and, and that will probably be right and left who are like reconsidering a lot of their positioning on this issue and go, Hey, look, I know forget what you think about the old industries and the old leaders and the old organizations. They're still rolling. They're still there. They're still doing their thing, but we're going to be the new home, whatever that looks like. It may not have to be a brand or a label or a flag, but like this collection of people is somebody where you can, you can reasonably stake your identity and your, and your firearms ownership um, desires and know that you'll be welcomed and housed. Like, is is this where we're going? Like, is it is it going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm not saying everybody needs to give up their memberships and anything, but like, maybe this is a new way and we just need to be louder about it. We need to be more vocal. We need to, to do all the emotionally pinging things that kind of fly in the face of everything. I, I try to represent as a human being, and as a clinician, but like, do we need to start flipping that switch and be like, Hey, all you guys out there who think you don't have a place to hang out, come follow us. And it's one of these labels that's or logos that's on a screen <laughs> like like is that is that well, where we're I, headed
0: well uh, our membership has tripled um good at least and our our training requests so we we, we run trainings and i think it's uh, i'm gonna screw this up so eric will correct me after i'm done i think 30 states um and the the training requests are up orders of magnitude like thousand percent like we can't do them all we cannot keep up you know and we've got a a fair number of uh well okay so all things considered we thought we had a fair number of people that were uh you know in our instructor core and we we can't keep up so is there a is there a hunger out there yeah (laughs) which logo is going to get it i don't know uh we got a few of them uh it feels like we're going to get a few more and you know it, i think there is definitely a thirst for i need a place to be and to ask these questions and a lot of these new folks are not what we would call uh, your traditional uh prior to maybe 2019 gun owner um they're 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 just different i i've been teaching classes uh in downtown boston at a range that's been friendly to us And on those Sundays when I'm going in to teach class, me and my students are the only white people there, Um, and I'm not used to seeing that. Right? Right. I've been shooting for a long time. I've been going gun ranges for a long time, and that is not the usual ratio of uh, of folk. Um, So there's there's a lot of that, and there's a lot of that for a lot of reasons. So I think the you know the the what logo gets the followers is going to kind of depend on who the person is that's looking, um, and there's a there's some there's some options out there if you're not middle aged and white and and we aren't <laughs> we by and by and large are not the top choice. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, so yeah I
1: get- there,
0: are, there are there there. I think it's gonna. I think you're. I think you're gonna see rather than a be coming together. I think you might see uh, a lot of siloing.
2: That's I what I'm, I, I'm thinking, you know, like you say, well, are we going to get them? And I'm like, well, maybe who cares? Like if they go to Maj or they go to Edgar or they go to you guys, they yeah, go God. to wherever, yeah. right? Like, but the, but my point is to keep them from all becoming their own echo chambers. How do we galvanize the the middle, right? The The big gap in between the edges. How do we, how do we go? Hey, look, look, we're all actually more common than we are different. And say, let's not talk trash about that. It's almost like we have to speak to the leaders of these these organizations. And say, let's make sure that there's no dissent going on and no no sniping of of you know like we, the NRA is everybody's favorite punching bag, right? But but we we really shouldn't be tar- trash talking the NRA either. That's not that's not cool. That doesn't help. You know, there's there's flaws and foibles with everybody. Um, maybe maybe we need to you know be more. I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking out loud here. Be more leaderly. Uh, you know, than than just promoting echo chambers.
0: Uh, I would say one thing, uh, like the NRA does deserve a little bit of the punch. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Want the soup
1: budget? I want the soup budget. <laughs> budget. Uh, yeah, they, they, they've they've, they, they've budget.
0: not they've not they've not been particularly good recently. Uh, that but, said, uh, what can we do to bring all? I don't know what we can do to bring all these people together. Part part of it's going to be, um. How do we make sure that you know, we're all on the same side? Well, we probably aren't. Is one thing. So there's going to be a portion sure of folks that aren't going to be on what we would consider some consolidated side, um, mm-hmm. because their reasons are different than the reasons that our side, quote unquote, has traditionally uh, uh, fronted. Right. You, know, you think about all of the the folks of color uh, after last summer's protests, a lot yeah. of folks are getting guns and they're not getting guns because, <laughs> because law and order, uh, they're, they're not
1: getting guns. Cause they love Wayne.
0: Yeah. They're, they're getting guns in spite of it, possibly, you know, so there's, there's, there's some challenges there. I think the, where we can bring people together is, uh, sort of a common mission of, you know, these are rights that we're all guaranteed mm. one. Um, we should do this safely and responsibly, too. So go back to Eddie Eagle from, you know, the 80s NRA, right? So NRA from the 80s is different from NRA from 2021. Um, and talk about rights and responsibilities. Pencus is huge on that, right? It's not just rights, it's responsibilities. And if you pound on that, then the reasonable people on the quote-unquote right and the reasonable people on the quote unquote left and then us poor bastards that are sometimes in the middle. um, That's where we start to agree, right? It's rights and responsibilities. We are, we have the right, but we also have some responsibilities. We need to be safe. We need to be yada, yada, all of the things that we've all been saying the whole time um, that's where I think we can find common ground. The real problem I think you're, you're not going to solve is the, general polarization because there's still tribalism that has nothing to do with guns.
2: Yeah, that's true. Right. I think I, I even mean, not everybody needs to be an advocate, right? Not everybody needs to be outspoken, but uh, I, what I, w- I think I want to stop is just the trash talking and the condescension and the, and the animosity like that doesn't, that doesn't help anything ever. Uh, not just in this issue, but all. And so I don't know how we, how we do that, that I guess that's what I'm, I'm not. I'm looking for the absence of antagonism, not necessarily the, the, the presence of action, you know.
0: Uh, somebody's got to be the bigger guy.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and uh, and you know we've we've been a we've been a favorite punching bag for a long time. So it's hard to it's hard to say. All right, I'll just be the bigger guy now. Uh, again, at some point, it's I'm not here for them, and I don't care. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I I care, but I don't. Right. The people that I want to reach aren't those people that you want me to be friends with sometimes. Um, and obviously both Laura and I have friends that are indeed of that uh, uh, political persuasion. Uh, but it's a, uh, I can't fix that. What I can do is I can work on the people who think guns are, are, are bad and evil because they haven't really thought the issue through. And that's my job and that's our job. And that's the thing we're trying to do.
3: Yeah. And I believe it could do they? these all become anecdotal at some point, but like, just for example, walk talk board member, Jose Fierro, uh, you guys met Jose. He, he lives in California. So he came to the function, um, your annual meeting. Uh, Jose is never identified as Mexican American uh, veteran combat vet. He's never identified with the, the gun community, even though he's owned guns, right? He's always separated that. I'm not that. Okay. I'm firearm protection. Uh, the, when he found out I was speaking and, and I said, Hey, you're going to come to this thing. He, he went immediately to the website to educate himself, uh, about, you know, what you guys believe, which I think everybody should do. I think everybody should do that. I think you should go to the websites of people that they don't like or they think they don't like. So if you're going to talk about like BLM, go to their website at least and read through the information that right. is there. Right. Don't just regurgitate something from an echo chamber or whatever, you know, uh, but, but I watched it happen. I watched Jose literally go, these are the people I identify with. Like, so I think you guys can be a big player in this new wave. We're going to need you out there. Um, <laughs> because once again, like it, I had this conversation with Colleen Noir once, and, and it was like, we try to bring in so many people into the, um, into the community. And then all of a sudden they go through the comments section and they're like, nope, can't do it. Can't. I, I'm sorry. I I don't understand people. And it's like, yeah, come on, man. Like it's not us. It's, it's in the comments. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, but you have to be there to, uh, to pick up the, you know, to give people a place where they feel welcome and they can identify with it. You know, Jake, one
1: of the things that I think would help talking about this is is I've had conversations with people in the industry over the past couple of months. To the extent that that organizations in the industry are going to double down with going to only one side, that's going to be a problem. And those organizations are going to lose these 8 million people. And and this Mm -hmm. idea that these eight, or I actually think it's probably more like 12 million people that have come in as new owners, are somehow suddenly going to vote for the republican side because they own guns is ridiculous. Yep. I mean that's just not going to happen. And if that is your starting point of where you think is going to happen, you've already lost. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen from our own membership, but we also know that's not going to happen just because that's not how people work. And and are you going to see people exerting some pressure in a way sure, but but we need to talk about look, we're gonna have to realign with what the reality is. And we can all agree that we're gonna fight about laws, but maybe we're not gonna fight about people. Great. You know, and I, I think that's important um, and and to look at that and hey, look, I'll be there all day long fighting with you about laws. But to the extent you want people that I care about dead or disenfranchised, or you are gonna tell me I'm not an American or I'm your enemy because I'm not on your political side? You and I are not gonna work together.
2: Right. Well, and that does it for our podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been great, and I just realized it's. Yeah, pushing. we're we're late dinner hours time.
0: Material. We're late <laughs> lunch time. I'm I'm late for my I'm late for a book club.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it a liberal book club? Book
0: club. It yeah. Is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have a book club.
0: We've been, uh, we've got a number of authors in the club. We've been running book clubs, reading their books um, as part of uh, that whole COVID-19, get people together and not feel alone kind of thing. So um, they're all yelling at me. I can see on the Discord chat.
2: <laughs> That's really well, great. That's super cool.
3: <laughs> you know, I, I guess we can wrap it up, Jake. I always ask one question of every guest and I want to ask it to both of you. How do you tend to your mental health? Especially when you're called all kinds of shit. be <laughs> tend to your mental health. Uh,
0: so, yeah, I got a lot of people that I can talk to about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, I have a community. I have multiple communities. I, I, I mean, I go back to this word all the time, but community is the most important thing you can do for your mental health. Find a community of people that you care about, who care about you, that have similar interests to you. That, you know, the comments don't really bother me. Now, I, I mean, the comments that bother me are the ones that I think are people who might actually put me in danger. Um, other than that, I really don't care. Because again, I don't do this for them. And so that's kind of my mental health. I mean, honestly, it, it takes a while to get there. But but I'm I'm there with that. But but for COVID and for all the other things and for the hard days and the exhaustion of going to SHOT Show and, and GRPC and things like that. Um, I have community, and I have I have the people in the LGC. I have Ed and, and our other members who we talk every day. I mean, we literally talk like you and Jake. We talk every day. Sometimes at six in the morning, you know. What I mean, like we we have we're colleagues, we're friends, we work together, we have common things that we care about, and I think that that's the most important thing we can do is find that.
0: Yeah, and that that uh, so I if if somebody does something dumb. somebody says something dumb it's always a did you see that dumb thing (laughs) and uh, we get to to vent about it Um, we 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 vent uh, and you know the last year has been interesting uh, and we've made some intentional uh, advancements in our sort of social media presence and whatnot because we knew the membership might want to be able to vent too, um, hmm. so you know we've got you know a Discord server, which I didn't think I'd ever use that phrase ever in my life, <laughs> but uh, you know it, it's a it's a place where you know uh, almost a thousand of our members have joined in and are are talking on a daily basis, and you know they're doing things like sharing recipes, and you know there's a book club, and it's like it's just people interacting in a way. That uh, they weren't doing in other other venues, they weren't able to do for it in other venues. So uh, that that I think has helped a bit. Um, it's also bloody exhausting to keep all this stuff running. Yeah. Uh, so what do I do for my mental health? I take Wednesdays off, baby. <laughs> I take a day off, and if you know Lara really wants me to talk on a Saturday, she's
1: got to have a really damn good agenda for it. Um, yeah, I, I made them have a, a board meeting, and it was on a Saturday, and I was like, are you serious? And I was like, yes, because we actually have to do this. So it
0: it's got to be a real good reason,
1: but I take that, you, take that, you take time off,
0: and then on Sundays, I okay. go to the range. And, you know, there's nothing quite like recoil therapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome.
3: Thank you both how, how do people get a hold of you? I, I, I think people need to go to the site I think yep. people need to follow you on on social media how do they how do they do that?
0: You follow, you follow us at at the Liberal Gun Club uh, you go to our website theliberalgunclub.com. Um you find us on Facebook uh, I believe it's just the liberal gun or no just liberal gun club as the Facebook URL yep. um, you know we're uh, don't don't try to don't try to tag me on Twitter because nobody's reading the Twitter feeds. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we're we're old and we don't get technology. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, Twitter is uh, our least uh, no, it's not our least favorite. Instagram is our least favorite way of replying to people. Uh, <laughs> but we're 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 on all of those places. Um, every Tuesday night when we do our live streams, you'll find us on Twitch. I mean, we're everywhere. we really are oh, wow. mm-hmm. so, um, I think all of that's linked on the website. Uh, if they absolutely need to get a hold of one of us, there's a Lovely little contact form with a drop down. What do you want to talk about? If you're press, you pick one option. If you want training, you pick another option, um, and then it all routes to the right people. Uh, so the website's the best place to start, and then all the other social media outlets are the other other ways to do it.
1: Yeah, you can message us through Facebook too. There's there's if you wanted there's a link on Facebook to message the club. One of us will get back to you. Um, you know, if you have questions, uh, there's a big about us page on the website that talks about all this there's a root cause mitigation page it is click it it pops out you can see all the the stuff we've talked about about what are our philosophies how do we do this um, there's what we call original content um, which are our blog posts that we've written you can see kind of how people in the club we, it, there's lots of stuff talking about our lobbying there's lots of stuff talking about kind of our positions on on social issues um, there's lots of things just talking about guns
2: I have one last question before we wrap up. What if somebody wants to start a chapter in a state where you don't have one?
1: You, uh,
0: There's a that that same contact form has okay. a dropdown. Uh,
2: right on.
0: So uh, we're, uh, I want to say, thirty-five formal chapters. Uh, they need five members that are that are in good standing, um, and they need to meet. Uh, and obviously, with COVID, that meeting can be virtual, uh, and they just drop us a line, say, Hey, I got five people or drop us a line, say, I want to meet four other people. And we make that happen. so for the folks that are in States that we may not have a formal chapter, um, the, I can't think of which one I, I would name a state, but I would almost certainly be wrong. Um, you, you drop, you drop a line and chances are good. Then if you drop that line, we already have a chapter now in the big States like California, there's, uh, sort of that's a huge piece of geography they've actually bifurcated themselves into northern california and southern california chapters it's still one chapter but they've got sort of sub sub things going on likewise in texas um and some of the other larger states Uh, so yeah drop us a line on the on the website is the best way to get us and you don't (laughs) Go ahead.
1: I was gonna say if you want training, there's a there's a particular contact form for training, it's right on the training page, and we'll get back to you and, and find you somebody if we've got somebody close enough.
2: And you and you don't and I'm not being cheeky or glib when I say this there's there's no like form screening tool, something that says you have to be liberal to join the, the liberal gun club. Okay.
0: There isn't, but you'll find out very quickly if you're the right fit. Um <laughs> your okay. peers. Um, so you not be an asshole. Yeah, yeah. I I my, my, my rule is don't pee on the rug um so if you don't pee on the rug and you can convince four other other erstwhile liberals to <laughs> join you in your quest uh, then you two can have a chapter um, so
2: awesome I really appreciate it. thank you guys uh, a ton for carving out the time and um, for all the work that you do. It's, it's very impressive, it's very bold, it's courageous, it's um, it's necessary. And I, for one, am so appreciative of what you're doing. It, it, may, it warms my heart um, because I think we need a, more positivity in this realm, not more bitterness and division. So appreciate it. Thank you, Ed Gardner and Laura Smith for joining us on the Guns and Mental Health podcast. Uh, On behalf of our Walk the Talk family, on behalf of ArmsCore, which makes this podcast possible, check out ArmsCore.com if you wish. A-R-M-S-C-O-R. Give them a shout. Tell them thanks for making it happen. Uh, We wish you well. We wish you all great mental wellness. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.